Welcome to Heritage Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and challenged as we study the Word of God together. Good morning. Had to get that in before it was afternoon. Okay, we'll be done by one, don't worry. Uh, I'm Casey Moss. I uh, serve as the the teaching pastor here, and it is a delight to welcome all of our guests, all of our home folks, all of our people who are joining us online. This is, uh, it's been a great weekend, and uh, we're just excited that you're here. I want to start with uh, a story. On Thursday, we um, were on our way here for dinner, and uh, we had, had brought our side dish, and then my wife remembers, oh, we should also bring a dessert. So we, we go to Walmart to get cookies. Uh, so yes, this is a bit of a public confession. I'm sorry about that. Uh, we just run out of time. Also, whoever made those little chocolate chip cookies that were homemade, uh, thank you. Um, I put five in a bag and took them home. So this is, again, public confession. And uh, I thought they'd be my overflow snack every night. They only made it two nights. But again, I appreciate that. Um, but we drove to Walmart, we had all the kids in the car, and uh, my middle daughter Elizabeth and I, uh, we go into Walmart, and our 20-month-old uh, Josephine, she stays in the car with, with Karen and the, and the older sister. So we come back out, and we have our little blue bag, and, and Josie has no idea what's in the bag, right? But she understands there's something good. So she just starts going, more, more, sissy, sissy, more, more, sissy, more, some, open, more, some, you know. She's wearing it out. She has no idea what's in there, but she understands there's something good in the bag. She has no idea what it is, what it means, what it, but, but it, was, it, was, it was sissy was holding on to it. And if it was good enough for sissy, it was good enough for Joe. And I just, I mean, I'm telling you, that is our heart's posture this weekend. And for some of us going forward, is just to understand the nature and character of who God is. And we may understand what it is that he has for us, but our heart's just to say, Jesus, more, more, some, more, open, more, some, more. What are you praying for? I have no idea. But God is good. And whatever he has for me, I want some, some, more, more, some. Amen? And so that's Josephine's word for us. God, if it's from you, I want more, more, more. Please open some. So we're going to dive in briefly into Ephesians 2. This is our theme scripture. And it started verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. But God, who is, did. So I, I want us to think about the flow of the words in that passage. But God, who is, did. God, who, God is his nature and his character. See, God, who is, who, who he is is what matters first and matters most. What God does flows out of who God is. What God does flows out of who God is. See, but God, who he is, is being rich in mercy and great with love. That's who he is. But what he does, the, the making us alive and, and saving us and raising us up and seating us, the does flows out of the who he is. 
And every but God, every but God did this rests on a foundation of but God is this. And every place in our life that we're looking for the but God to do will flow out of a but God is. And we have to be careful to keep our, our focus and keep, the, keep that order in mind. And so when, we, so when we share our testimony or when we listen to the testimony of others, as Keith had shared, it really is the God part that matters. And we should be looking for the places where we can worship God for the aspects of His nature and character to exalt Him above every other name. Because, see, it is not about you. And it's not really even about the thing that God did or is doing or will do. It's about who God is. And the the overflow of who God is comes out in the things that God does. And so we have to make room for God. If we are to make room for God to do whatever God wants to do, if, if we're doing that, one of the ways that we are to do this is to focus on who God is. See, who God is never changes. The way it is expressed, there's a little room for interpretation in the way who God is is expressed in our life. For example, God is sovereign. Yes, absolutely. All the time, always. His sovereignty can be expressed in my life in a wide variety of ways. So the the but God, his sovereignty is expressed in many different ways. But his sovereignty always is. And my understanding of the expression of his sovereignty, I may be in a comma moment there, but the reality of his sovereignty should never be in question. We must make room to let God do whatever he wants to do. That includes letting us make room for God to not do the things we're asking him to do in that moment. We must make room to let God not do the things we are asking him to do. And we must also make room to let God do the things that we're asking him to do. So yes, I 100% believe the things I said last week. But as Dr. Keith often says, there's a truth intention here. See, in an effort to explain God or in an effort to protect ourselves, we can easily begin to, to limit the things that we think God can do. We give mental assent to the idea that God theoretically could do it sometimes in someone else's life, but certainly not in our own. And what, what can happen, and what has happened to many of us, is we, we've stopped looking for the thing that God has promised us because it hurts to not see it. And when we stop looking for the thing, we also let ourselves stop looking for God. And we let distance grow between us and God when relationship with God is really what we need most. Because now is the time to draw near to God again, to trust Him with our story. You see, we we know that conceptually God can do anything, but we don't see God doing it. And so sometimes, 
We, we, we want to protect God's reputation, which really means we're trying to protect our, our own self. And, and, and it's true and it's good. And the things last week about doing life in the comma are absolutely true. At the same time, it is absolutely true that God can do anything he wants to do. And we have to be careful that in an effort to acknowledge this truth, that we don't deny this truth. See, the but God is a lifestyle of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then later we learn that without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, isn't it interesting that, that somehow our life in the not knowing that the, the not knowing, but yet the faith response to the not knowing, the, the having the promise, but yet not seeing it, that that, that is a requisite for pleasing God. Meaning if you really knew everything that was going to happen in your future, it would be impossible to please God if you saw it all. Romans 8.24 says this, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? So I have a question or five for you. Can we believe for something we have not seen? Do we trust our seen or the God unseen? Do we trust our sight or God's character and nature? And if we're willing to trust God's character and nature more than our own sight, then are we willing to hope? Or perhaps a bit deeper and more personal, are we willing to hope again? See, our reasons become excuses when we trust our own thoughts more than God's. Our reasons become excuses when we trust our own thoughts more than God's. And I'm not talking about denying reality or some sort of mind over matter trick here. Because many of you are believing God for something that you don't have. And it's not about, you can't just convince yourself and make that thing appear. This is not mind over matter. This is not... This is not word games. This is a matter of acknowledging that that God's reality is more real than your reality. The nature and character of God is more real than you and your perceptions. And not just your perceptions of reality, but your actual reality. This isn't a mind game. This is about acknowledging the reality that is the greatest reality of all, and that is Jesus Christ. The reality of Jesus, who in Ephesians, we we read about him, is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. In Corinthians, it's it's written, uh, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these are the things God prepared for those who love him. It's that kind of God that's bigger. His reality is bigger than your reality. 
And we, get, we got to get a little Matthew in here. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. So we're about to experience the tsunami of testimony. I'm excited. We've been waiting for this moment, longing for this moment. I want to to say three, four more things about testimony. There's been a lot said. Testimony is, number one, testimony is, is powerful in overcoming the enemy. Revelation 12, 11, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Number two, testimony encourages us toward hope. See, we're on this continuum with the promises of God, and do, do we, we allow testimony to, to elevate us to a place of hope, or do we uh, allow the things that would pull us toward a place of despair? Testimony encourages us toward hope. Number three, testimony reminds us of what God can do. It reminds us of what God can do. Some of us have forgotten. Then I got a little Keith Yoder on this word, right? Reminded. And I was like, you know what? We need to be reminded. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to be reminded. And the testimony is part of being reminded. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Many of us are going, what is the will of God in, in my life? What, what does that look like? And one of the ways that we see that is we are reminded. And number four, testimony can bring healing. So much healing this weekend. Really these last few weeks. I want to say this. In God's sovereignty, there is an appointed time and place and method for the things God has promised to come about. And in this moment, I'm aware for many of us where that appointed time and place and way hasn't come about. But I just need you to know that we're talking about the God, that there's nothing impossible with God. All things are possible. So the things he's promised to you, there is an appointed time and place and method for those promises to come about. And where you have been disappointed, God is here to reappoint. See, when you're, you're appointed to something, it's not necessarily something that you earn or, or deserve. 
But someone with authority and power comes in and sets you into a proper place, a position, authority, an ownership, a responsibility. You're appointed to that. And the promise of God has appointed certain things in your life. And for a variety of reasons, there's been a disappointment. And one of the things that testimony does is it brings healing, and we begin to, to be renewed in our mind. We get to reminded, and we get reappointed. Testimonies are an avenue for reappointment. But I want you to remember this. When we talk about the healing from disappointment specifically, when being healed from past disappointment and hurts, the goal is not to be restored to a neutral place where we don't hurt anymore. The goal is not for our pain to go away and we're back at neutral. The goal is not to be at a neutral place where we just don't hurt anymore. The goal is to be elevated to a place where we hope again. We can be healed beyond not hurting all the way to hoping. We can be healed beyond not hurting all the way to hoping. And for those of you who are experiencing healing and those things in your life, you're like, oh, I, the, the sting, the pain is, is not there. Praise God. Yes, I appreciate the journey that you're on, but do not settle for not hurting. Don't settle until we're at a place of hoping again. Hoping in the thing that you don't see, because the thing that you don't see is based on a promise of God, and there's a character and nature of God that goes beyond what you don't see. That we can hope again. And finally, as we are about to start into our time of testimony, it's my subtle way of saying if you need to do something, As we start into our time of testimony, let me remind you of one more conjunction. There's there's another, but is the first conjunction. There's another conjunction that we need to enter into this tsunami of testimony with. And I'm going to read this statement that I believe is from the Lord. There are two groups of promises represented this morning. Number one, those that we have seen come to pass. We will celebrate today. And we're not celebrating what God did or the people's lives He did it in. We're celebrating who God is. We will celebrate with a tsunami of testimony the promises that have come to pass. So there's two groups of promises. Number one, those that have come to pass. And number two, those that have not come to pass yet. Those that have not come to pass yet. For those that have come to pass, let us celebrate today. For those that have not yet come to pass, let us hope in God today. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Please join us online at heritagefellowship.us or in person in Jefferson City, Tennessee, as we encounter God, touch lives, and impact nations.